In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have said many times that the Christian life is the process of becoming who we already are in Jesus Christ. I'm sure you're all liturgically sensitive enough to notice that I'm not wearing green today. I'm wearing white because we are having a baptism. When you are baptized into Christ, you are in Christ. And you are already everything that you will ever be. The Christian life then begins at the end. When you were baptized, you were baptized into Christ, and you will spend the rest of your life becoming who, who you already are. The Christian life begins at the end. And since the Christian life starts at the end, I want to do the same this morning with our reading from Hebrews. There's a reason for this. The lectionary cuts off our reading from Hebrews chapter 13 at verse 8, probably for good reason. It is a pretty obviously great sort of stopping point. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. The author of Hebrews has spent 13 chapters telling us how Jesus Christ and the new covenant in his blood are greater than everything that has come before them. He does this to inspire our faith, as we've talked about for the past few weeks. He is trying to help us set our eyes upon Jesus as we run the race that is set before us. And now, he reminds us, that the one in whom we trust, the one to whom we look, he doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, you can trust in him. You can believe him and his words. You can set your eyes upon him and run your race and know that he will never change and that he will never waver. He will always be for you exactly who he has always been. And that really is a great truth on which to end this brief tour through the epistle to the Hebrews, but... The author of Hebrews has just a bit more to say to us. In the next few verses, he makes mention, again, of the sacrificial system and of the bodies of the sacrificial animals being buried outside the gates of the city. And then he says, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him. Let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. This chapter begins, as we heard in the reading, with teaching on ethics. Let brotherly love continue. 
Do not neglect showing hospitality to strangers. Remember those who are in prison. Let the marriage be held in honor among all. Keep your life free from love of money. This list in verses 1 through 5 reminds me of how counter instinctual, not just countercultural, but counter instinctual the gospel of Jesus Christ truly is. As N.T. Wright puts it, this opening section of verse of chapter 13 is all about money, sex, and power, the building blocks of all human society. You will find talk of money, sex, and power in basically everything. And yet the way the Christian relates to this worldly trio is counter-instinctual. We should be out in the world living in a way different than the world. And as Tim Keller states in the excellent book that we are reading for adult catechesis, maybe, just maybe, one of the reasons that the American church hasn't suffered, hasn't borne the reproach that Jesus bore, is because we have failed to live in a way consistent with Christianity. We have failed to relate to our cities, to money, power, and sex in the ways that Jesus demands of his people. If we did, we would, like him, suffer outside the gate and bear the reproach that he endured. And I want you to note that it's in contrast to money, sex, and power that the author says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. They, they are fleeting. They are transient. They are not worth basing your life upon. But Jesus is. He never changes. He never wavers. He is the mediator of a better and new and eternal covenant sealed in his own blood. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you can put your faith in him. You can base your whole life on him. In fact, just before this, the author writes, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? This is Psalm 118, verse 6. The author is not just sort of reaching back into the Old Testament, finding some proof text, and yanking it forward into the the epistle to the Hebrews. He is making a point. The psalm begins, Psalm 118, with its major theme repeating over and over and over. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. 
And then refrain, the refrain, the latter refrain just repeats. His steadfast love endures forever. 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 And then the psalmist proclaims, Out of my distress, I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? This psalm is quoted repeatedly in all four of our Gospels. Tell me, does this sound familiar? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Or a bit later, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We will bless you from the house of the Lord. And then at the end, the psalmist repeats the refrain again, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Forever. Why forever? Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When Jesus quoted this psalm, He knew what it meant. By the time the author of Hebrews quotes this psalm, the early church knew what it meant. It wasn't a promise of deliverance from all suffering and evil. How could it be since Jesus himself suffered so greatly on our behalf? It was rather a promise that no matter what happens to us in this life, No matter what the world may do to us or throw at us, we are eternally safe in the loving hands of Jesus Christ. Jesus has not only an answer for all that ails us, not only an answer for all that is wrong in this world, He even has an answer for death itself. So He could live the way He calls us to live. He could model for us the type of people he calls us to be, knowing full well where it would lead him. Outside the gate. Because he believed in a God whose steadfast love endures forever. He believed that God's love for him and God's faithfulness to his word was so sure and so permanent that he could go outside the gate and give his life as an offering for the good of other people because God has power even over death itself. 
So yes, money, sex, and power are the building blocks of our culture, but they are not the same yesterday, today, and forever. Only Jesus Christ is. And so, we have here, in this world, no lasting city. I want you to please go home and think about that sentence. We have no lasting city here because the cities here are built on instincts and priorities that are contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to pretend that they aren't is to flirt with idolatry. We have no lasting city here. Money, sex, power, they are all fleeting. So please don't waste your life pursuing them. Instead, look to the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And seek the city, the kingdom that is to come. For here, we have no lasting city. Amen.